You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Amen. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says that there's these three, faith, hope, and love. And that's what we're talking about. But we change it to living faith, hope lives, and then we'll have another love-illusion. Are y'all ready for that? So everybody say living faith. I mean, no, you're supposed to live by faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. So faith is not just for special projects or when things go bad. You and I every day are living by faith. So let's just confess it again. Say, I'm living by faith. Come on, I'm living by faith. Amen. And then so we talked about that for four weeks, and now we're talking about hope lives. Hallelujah. And you know, that's kind of become a theme of the church, but I felt like we need, the Holy Ghost, I guess, felt like we need to review it. Because hope sometimes in our circles is a bad word. Hope, naturally speaking, is putting everything off into the future. And that's not faith. That's not expectation. But what is Bible hope? It's a joyful, confident expectation. If you have Bible hope, then you are expectant. You are joyfully expectant. Come on. It's going to be just the way God said it. Amen. And so last week we looked at this and I want to review this. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 6. Verses 18 through 19 out of the Amplified Classic, and we're going to pick up there. Y'all with me today? Y'all with me today? Come on, first service. Let's get all riled up in Jesus. Hallelujah. You ready to receive? Hallelujah. It says this. It says that this was so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which is it impossible for God ever to prove false or deceive us. We who have fled to him for refuge might have indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp, hold, to grasp and hold fast the hope. Appoint. There's a hope. There's a joyful, confident thing that's appointed for you. You and I are supposed to go through this life full of hope, full of joy. Listen, I'm going I'm to insert this here. Remember what the Lord said to us. See, the lost are without hope. I don't have time to repeat it all, but remember the lost are hopeless. It's no wonder that everything in this life is everything to them. And they get all bent out of shape because they have no hope. Because remember the Bible says for us not to sorrow as the world who have no hope. Because when they die, they believe they're dead like a, you know, there's nothing, that, there's nothing there. But we know that's not true. Unfortunately, they can live their whole, whole life hopeless and then end up in hell. And, and that's not God's will for them. That's not God's highest. That's not God's best. He's never sent anyone to hell. People reject Jesus and decide that for themselves. But my point is, in the world, they have no hope. There's no Bible hope. There's no joyful, confident expectation. They have nothing to hold on to. You and I are not like them. But remember then, I said this. By the Spirit of God, anytime you are hopeless in any situation in your life, you have excluded God. In other words, if you're depressed about something, if you're oppressed about something, if you're sad about something, then you either purposely or ignorantly or just because you just, I don't know, you, didn't, you don't understand it, you have left God out of that. So anytime in your life you feel hopeless, it's because God has, you have excluded God. But if you, if you interject God or you let him into every circumstance, what happens? You should not only be full of faith, you should be full of joyful, confident ex expectation. Everybody shout, hope lives. It says, now grasp and hold fast the hope appointed for us set before us. We have this hope, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. So when you're full of hope, you're anchored down. Everybody yell, anchor down. 
What do you, how you get an anchor down? Well, you get an anchor down by having your joyful, confident expectation in the Lord. My hope is in the Lord. Jesus is my hope. He's my expectation. And what's an anchor for? Well, an anchor keeps you in the harbor that you're supposed to be in. And then in the middle of a storm, you can anchor down and you can, while everybody else is driven by the wind and the waves, you're anchored down. So hope is your anchor. Hope is what holds you in place. Now we have this hope, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip. It cannot break down under whoever steps upon it. A hope that reaches farther and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. So that's what we talked about last week. And I want you to look, uh, we're going to talk today about Continue to talk about hope lives, but in such a way that um, how this hope can turn a hopeless situation around. Now, what does the world need today? Love, sweet love. Yeah, but they need, what else they need today? They need, they need Jesus. And the Bible clearly says, and scripture says, Jesus is our hope. And all eyes need to be on Jesus because he's the one that gives us hope. And if I get him in every area of my life, then I'll be full of hope. And then yet our father in the faith, Abraham and Sarah, they encountered a situation that was hopeless. In other words, there was nothing natural that could fix it. Have you ever uh, encountered something in the last couple months, last year, last two years, or any part of your life that seemed hopeless? It seemed like there was nothing you could do in the natural. A doctor said there's nothing we can do. Um, a family member said there's nothing we can do. Uh, there's just things going on that seem to be out of your control, circumstances out of your control. Well, if you bring God into the middle of that, it'll change that. There is nothing impossible with God. All things are possible to them that believe. The only way it's impossible is if you exclude God. The only way things can't get better for you. Now, you can't control the whole world, but you can control what God has given you. Amen. So Romans 4.18 says this, talking about Abraham and Sarah conceiving the promised child. It says, who against hope. In other words, there was no reason to be hopeful. There was nothing in the natural that would give you hope. And that's the truth about life in general is if you're always, circumstances come and go. People live their life based on circumstances. And so if circumstances are good, they're okay. But if circumstances are bad, they're devastated. But you and I don't live that way. I said, you and I, that was my statement of faith. You and I don't live that way. Who against hope believed in hope. That he might become the father of many nations. According to that which is spoken, so shall your seed be. And then Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the substance of what? Things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Your faith gives evidence. But, but what I want you to see in this is now faith, when you believe God, when you take God at his word, now faith gives substance to the things that you are expecting, the things that you want to show up in your life. Now faith is, is that joyful, confident expectation. When you believe God, when you take God at his word, what is the byproduct of your faith is that you have joyful, confident expectation. You know, even though it looks hopeful, then everybody should be thinking, you know, you got this situation and everybody thinks you should be down. You should be depressed, but you're up. You're excited. You're blessed. Why? Because you've heard from God. 
Come on, remember the Apostle Paul when he was on that ship and the Bible says when all hope was gone. Remember he even warned them. The Holy Ghost said to them, this, this voyage is going to be a mess. Y'all could lose your life. And they didn't listen to him. Well, in the middle of the storm, when all hope was lost, the Bible said. Nobody had any hope. He went into the belly of the ship and he met with somebody. The same somebody, if you're born again, who lives in you. He's not a different Holy Ghost. He's not a different Jesus than the Apostle Paul knew. Same. And he met, Paul met with him. And, and he encouraged him. And remember, he got so, he heard from God. Remember on Wednesday nights, we're talking about how faith comes. Faith comes by hearing, hearing a rhema, Christos, from the Lord. What does that mean? The Lord spoke to him. Now the word of God, the Logos, will speak to you all the time, and you can walk in it. And yet, what happened to Paul, he's there praying, the Lord comes, and he's like, told him everything. And so remember, Paul went up, and, and he told everybody what? Hey, everybody cheer up. Punch your neighbor. No, don't, don't punch him. Poke him a little bit, or, or at least, you know, do something. Say, tell him to cheer up. Come on, cheer up. You've been wanting to say that to somebody next to you all day, haven't you? Everybody say it again. Say, it again. say cheer up. Yeah. Why, why can we be cheered up? It doesn't look good. Why can we be cheered up? The news says this. Why, is it, why can't we be cheered up? This and that and this and that and this and that. Listen, if, if that's what you listen to, then you're going to be down. You're going to be depressed. I can tell what you're meditating on by whether you're cheered up or teared up. Cheer up. Why? Because he said, it's going to be this way. And they all listened and they all lived. Amen. Now, faith is the substance of things. Faith gives substance to what we're expecting. It is the evidence of things not seen. Um, let's look at something. How, how do I maintain hope? I really believe this. If you'll just get a hold of these things today, when you go to work on Monday, when you hang out, uh, you know, um, Thanksgiving and Christmas is coming not, not too long from here. I mean, they've got Christmas trees up everywhere at the Cracker Barrel. I mean, you know, it, it, they start them in July now. I mean, it, but, but it's coming, amen. And I know you're going to be with your family. And I know what you're all going to want to talk about. But how about this year, instead of talking about all the stuff everybody else is talking about, you bring some hope to the, come on, instead of a turkey, you bring hope. Instead of pumpkin pie, uh, pumpkin. Instead of pumpkin pie, you... you we call it pumpkin. Anyway, so, so if, <laughs> come on, you bring some hope. What if you go to work on Monday with some hope? What if you go to the ball game? Not just hope they're going to win, which, you know, we all want our team to win, but, but hope in God that you're just different. Yeah. Amen. Come on, be different. I didn't say you had to be weird. I just said be different. Amen. Weird does not always equate to godly. <laughs> Amen. But be godly. Be excited about life. Be, have a smile. You start smiling today, people, they might think, oh, something's up over there. But you know what I'm saying? But do it anyway. Hallelujah. Because they expect everybody to be frowning. They expect everybody to be mad right now. Come on, people are acting out everywhere. On airplanes. At football games. At every, at, they're acting out. They're acting crazy. What is that? That is pent-up hostility. They're mad at the world. Some of you mad at God. But what you and I have is the real deal. And so we need to go in with a smile. We need to go in with joy. We need to go in with victory. People will ask you what you got to smile about. And the Bible says, remember last time we said, you need to have an answer for your hope. 
Come on, answer them. I know I, this is why I got confidence. This is why I got joy, because I can read in the book. That's what I want to talk to you about. Hope, along with faith, they go hand in hand, comes from the Word of God. You can't have Bible hope from a news report, from a political rally, from anywhere else. What you feed on is what you exude. I can tell what you're eating. Spiritually. Romans 15.4. Whatever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. How many know we need to get some learning? That we through patience and comfort of scriptures might have hope. We need to learn what the word of God says. My people perish for lack of knowledge. You need to get your soul in line with your spirit, your mind, your will, and your emotions. You need to get them lined up. How do you get them lined up? By studying, by meditating the word of God. And when you and I meditate the word of God, not only faith comes, but in hand with that is a joyful, confident expectation. When I'm in faith, I have Bible hope. I have expectation. Because if I believe something, I'm expecting to see something. And he said here, what these things were written for our learning, that we through patience, how many know the Bible says with faith, faith and patience, you inherit the promises of God and comfort of scriptures. So this word brings me comfort. This word, word brings me sustenance. This word strengthens me that I might have hope. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Out of the Amplified Classic, if you put that up for me. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Hebrews 10, 23, out of the Amplified Classic version. Hallelujah. It says, so let us seize and do what? Why we got to hold fast? Why you got to hold fast? Because somebody's trying to take it. Circumstances are trying to take it. The devil's trying to take it. People are trying to take it. Let us seize and hold fast, retain without wavering. The Bible says a double-minded, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. How can he receive anything from the Lord? We're not going to waver. What are we not wavering? The hope. Let us seize and hold fast and refrain without wavering. The hope, some translations say faith, but it's interchangeable here. The hope we cherish and confess our acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is reliable. He's sure and he's faithful to his word. If you don't put his word in you, you know, I, I love this and it's true. People say it like this, so don't misunderstand me. God's been faithful to me. I get that. But really God can only be faithful to the words you believe. God can only be faithful to what's coming out your mouth. God, he's not, he, he is faithful to people, but really he's faithful to what those people believe. That's what he can only move on is his word. So God is faithful to his word. He's not a man that he should lie. Has he not said it? Will he not also do it? The word of God never returns void, but it'll always accomplish what it's sent to do. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will never pass away. And when I get a hold of his word, it brings me Bible hope. It brings me joyful, confident expectation. I don't know if I'm helping you, but I'm helping me real good right now. Because without wavering, if we'll hold fast and retain without wavering, the hope. Where do I get this hope? I get it from the word of God. So let's look at the Psalms. And we're just going to look at Psalms 119. 
And I just picked some scriptures out of there as it talks about the word. This psalm is full of talking about the word of God and what it does. So Psalms 119, we're going to look at this in the New International Version. I don't usually use that one, but Psalms 119, the New International Version, verse number 43. Psalms 119, 43. It says, never take your word of truth from my mouth. Well, on this side of, of the you know, dispensation, then we would say that about ourselves. I'll never let the word of truth get out. It's got to stay in my mouth. For I have put my hope in your laws or in your word. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep the word of God in my mouth because I have put my hope in your law. Psalms 119 verses 49. Remember your word to your servant for you have given me hope. The word of God, the logos, the written word of God, and what God has spoken to your heart, the rhema, the revealed word of God to you, what is that? It has given me hope. So I can tell whether I'm in the word or whether you're, let's just pick on me. When I, if I get down, which I'm tempted to do, if I get downcast, which I'm tempted to do, what do I know? Well, I can know that I'm not meditating on the word of God. I know that I'm not, put, why? Because when I meditate the word of God, I have the, the, the result is what? The result is a, a joyful, confident expectation because my thoughts are on the word. Psalms 119 verse 74. May those who fear you, do y'all love the Lord? Do y'all reverence the Lord? Let those who fear you rejoice when they see me for I have put my hope in your word. So when someone sees me, when I have put my hope in the word, it should cause some stuff. In other words, when I show up full of joyful, confident expectation, it'll get off on you. It'll get off on you. It's hard to stay depressed around someone that's full of joy and victory. Usually what will happen is that person, if they want to stay annoyed, if they want to stay mad, then they'll have to leave your presence. That's the truth about the things of this church is, um, you know, everybody's welcome here. We'd love for everybody to come. But coming to church here, if you don't want to change, you usually can't stick because the word will change you. You know, well, the Lord just loves you. Well, he just loves you so much that he's going to change you into his likeness and into his image. We're going to grow up. Amen. So, but the joy right now, come on, you're contagious. We've seen how a virus can spread around the world just like that. What if we got so full of God, we spread around the world just like that? What if one-to-one -one contact? What if me breathing, not my natural breath, but the breath of God? What if the fragrance that I carry would get off on you? Hallelujah. Psalms 119.81. My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. Psalms 119, 114. You are my refuge and my shield. Oh, I could get to preaching. I love talking about God being my fortress. He, he is my strong tower. I run into him and I am safe. Hallelujah. He's my refuge. He's my shield. I have put my joyful, confident expectation in your word. See, when you get in the word, it'll bring you hope and it'll be a shield for you. It'll, it'll be a refuge for you. Psalms 119, 147. I rise before dawn. Well, for me, I stay up until dawn. 
and cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. Amen. Thank God, the word of God, as well as giving you faith, because faith comes by hearing and hearing, the rhema Christos, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But also as you meditate the word of God, as you study the word of God, as you look into it, it will at the same time produce hope, a joyful, confident expectation. If I am hopeless, God is not in the situation. How do I get God in my situation? I bring the word of God into my situation. I bring God into my uh, things that have to do with my physical body. I bring God into what has to do with my marriage. I bring God into raising children. I bring God into my finances. I bring God into my mental health. I bring God into everything in my life. And when I do, I have, how do I do that? I bring his word into it. How do I bring his word into it? By reading it, by meditating on it, by studying it, by speaking it. And when I do, I have a joyful, confident expectation. And when I've got that joyful, confident expectation, it's not just for me. It'll start getting off on people. Come on. Isn't it true? You walk into a room, maybe at work into a meeting room when somebody pre-met with somebody else and you can walk in the room and you can know, oh, something little sticky went on in here. And you don't even have had to be there. Why? Because words linger. The devil inhabits words. You can tell, you can, you can walk into a house where a husband and wife have just been berating one another and then you, you know you're coming for dinner and you open the door and they're like, oh, hey. But you can walk in and go, hmm, what, what is that? Atmosphere. Atmosphere. What makes up atmosphere? What you believe. The words that come out of your mouth. You can change. Even in the natural, you know, just, um, you know, y'all know I like uh, sport, sports. I love sports. But, you know, momentum. You know, I've heard people say, well, momentum's not a thing. I believe naturally momentum, but I also believe in spiritual momentum. I believe you, when you and I can get together in one accord, in unity, and it creates a momentum that just sucks other people into it. What is that? I believe that has to do with hope and joyful, confident expectation. Now, when you have that, the Bible says some things, and I love this. Um, the, I want to talk to you about God not disappointing you, about you don't have to be ashamed. Um, he'll never, uh, I'll say it this way. He'll never, when you believe on him and you really believe on him, he'll not embarrass you. He'll always bring it forth. He'll always do what he said. So when you have, when you walk by faith and when you have this Bible hope, there are some promises that he's going to make to you. So let's look at Psalms 25, uh, verse number two, again, in the NIV. Everybody shout hope lives. It does, doesn't it? Why? Because Jesus lives. And you and I need this right now. And we, we, need, we need to, we need to um, spread this. You need, to, you need to get so full of faith and so full of joyful, confident expectation that you just get that off on other people, that, that everywhere you're around. So I just want you to be aware of it. It says, I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame nor let my enemies triumph over me. I like the answer. No one 
no one who hopes in you, no one who has their confidence in God, no one who has their confidence in no one. Well, God disappointed me. Not possible. God let me down. Never happened. Now, you've got to get that settled. That, that, you've got to get that settled. God cannot fail. But he failed me. He didn't. Maybe you didn't know something. Why does it always have to be on God? Everybody who believes that also proclaims, well, he's perfect. He's sovereign. But he let me down. How, how, what, both sides of their mouth at the, in the same sentence. Come on, that doesn't even make sense. He's perfect. He let me down. It's not possible. It's not possible. He has never failed you. He has never let you down. Maybe you didn't know something. Maybe it didn't work out just right. Maybe you didn't connect somewhere. But it's not on God's end. It's not on God's end. Maybe you're not perfect. I know I ain't. Pastor Rhonda can tell you. I just said eight. I, I know. Uh, she can tell you I'm not. I am not perfectist. Or whatever. Okay. No one. Everybody shout no one. Who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. But shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Isaiah 49, verse 23, again, NIV. Lots of NIV today. Kings will be your foster fathers and their queens your nursing mothers. They will bow down before you and their faces to the ground. They will lick the dust of your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Everybody say, my hope is in you, Lord. And your word says, you will never disappoint me. Well, let's pull this over into the new covenant. Let's look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Just for clarity, let's run into it. Let's start at verse 1. Therefore, being justified, being made righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that peace there is talking about that you've made peace between you and God. There's the peace that surpasses all understanding, but this is a peace that you are not an enemy of God, you're a friend of God. By whom also we have access to God by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Oh man, I wish I could have time to just stop right there. So I'll take a moment. We have, so we have access to God the Father by faith into this grace. This, this grace here is not unmerited favor. This grace is power. This grace is power because it's standing grace. Grace, it's the power to stand against the devil. It's the power to stand against sickness and disease. It's the power to stand against everything that Jesus redeemed you from. So we have this grace wherein we stand and we rejoice. Come on, come on, these are the big three. Faith, grace, hope. I mean, you could add love in there. Faith, grace, wherein we stand, we rejoice in what? In hope, in joyful expectation of the glory and the power of God being released. Woo! And, oh, then it gets into this. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Oh, I don't want to read that. We glory in tribulation. See, the natural stuff can be going on. But if you have joyful, confident expectation, it ain't nothing but a thing. Light and easy. 
Why? This too shall pass. I know the end. So we can, how can we do this? We glory in tribulation. Paul said, come on, when I'm weak, I say I'm, I'm strong. Remember when, when the apostle Paul, oh gosh, I got hurt. Remember when the apostle Paul, people call, you know, Paul's thorn in the flesh. When they talk to him, oh, this is going to help somebody in the room today. Pastor Rhonda teaches on this in her grace class in Bible Institute, but I'm just going to touch it. Um, you know, it's funny around the world, people don't know anything about Jesus, but everybody's ever, everybody's always heard about Job and Paul's thorn. It's amazing to me how the devil propagates such things. I, I, everywhere we go, people, they've heard of Job. They've heard of Paul's thorn in the flesh, even if they hadn't heard of Jesus. What is that? A negative misinterpretation of the word of God. God's against you. Nothing further from the truth. God's always for you. He's always good. Remember the apostle Paul, the devil was harassing Paul morning, noon, and night. I mean, have you ever bobbed up and down the ocean? He was beaten by people who were supposed to like him. He was beaten by people who hate him. He, he, was, he was stoned and killed. I mean, he, he'd been beaten, beaten, beaten. I mean, the man had, that everywhere he went, he caused a revival and a riot at the same time. I remember I was going through something a few years ago and I was really, you know, feeling sorry for myself. And I felt the Holy Ghost said, well, that's really not much compared to what Paul went through. And I thought, yeah, dear me, I don't want to stand in front of Paul right now and talk about my problems compared to his problems. Really jerked the slack out of me. Really did. You know, we're going to be sharing our mansions next to people who were martyred for Jesus. I would add stuff to that, but we'll save that from a health seminar sometime. Um, but the tr Some people have given their life for him. The Lord doesn't always ask much from us. So my point is, though, remember what the Apostle Paul said? He's like, Lord, take this away. And what did Jesus answer back? My grace... But see, that word grace there is power. It's not God's unmerited favor there. It's power. My grace is what? Sufficient. And then Paul said what? At the end, he's like, I got it. And then he said what? I'd rather therefore glory in my infirmities. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. See, when you understand this scripture in tribulations, when the devil comes, how I many know God's not tempting you with evil? God's not bringing you problems. But when the devil decides to come after you, if you do this right, he's going to be sorry that he messed with you. Make him sorry that he messed with you. Make him sorry that he messed with you. Because I'm coming out stronger on the other side. I'm coming out stronger on the other side. I'm coming out strong. Why? Because I'm going to perfect this grace on, on these. I'm going to understand this grace on the inside of me. I'm going to figure out how to stand in it. And, I, and when I figure out how to stand in it, I'm going to tell everybody how I stood in it. And then when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's move on. Hallelujah. And it says, not only we're glory in tribulation, knowing tribulation works patience, patience, experience, experience, hope. So all these things produce what? And hope makes not ashamed. 
and hope. Come on, when you have a joyful, confident expectation, you will not be put to shame. God will not, you, he can't disappoint you, but it's about you. Where is your, your hope level has everything to do with you being disappointed or you not being disappointed. So I have faith in God, which causes my hope to rise up. And when my hope rises up, I will not be disappointed. I will not, because God can't let me down. You see, I can let myself down. People can let me down. Church can let me down. Preachers can let me down. Everything around me can let me down, but there is somebody who will never fail you. There is somebody that you can put all your trust in. There is somebody that'll get you to the other side, but your joy and your confidence and your hope has to be in him. And when it is, you will never be disappointed. You will never be let down. And hope makes not ashamed because of the love of God shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Amen. Amen. Are you, come on, God will never disappoint you. He will never let you down. If you've ever been disappointed, don't raise your hand. <laughs> this is not a raise your hand. But we can all, there's things in life that disappoint you. People disappoint you. You can get discouraged about things. Someone you thought you could trust, you can't trust. But people are fallible. Even the best people, even the person to your left and to your right. No, don't say it's so, but it's true. But there is someone who's, who's infallible. And that's why you put all your eggs in his basket. Because he'll never disappoint you. He'll never let you down. Now, I know we got great parents around here, but somebody needs to hear this. Even if your parents were not the greatest... Even if you feel like you've been betrayed in life. If you'll put all your trust in God. Come on, he'll bring you through to the other side. He'll give you a great life. He'll help you. It doesn't matter what has went on. The Lord will help you through. I want to read this to you and then I want to pray with you. We use this scripture a lot around here. It's from the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, 11. Again, the New International Version today. How many of you know that God has a plan for your life? I love this. I love talking about this. I usually talk to ministers. I got a, Pastor Ron and I are doing a minister's conference um, virtually uh, tomorrow and Tuesday. We could use your prayers. We have over 100 pastors that we're going to be ministering to in the nation of Chile and South America and some in Central America. But I always like to talk to ministers because sometimes being a minister is hard or, you know, they get discouraged just like everybody else, but they can't tell anybody. And um, I like to tell them this, you know, God knew you in your mother's womb where life begins. The moment you were conceived in your mother's womb, God knew you. You were alive to him and he had plans for you. And what I love about that is that's before you did anything right or anything wrong. Ephesians 2.10 says he prearranged, predestined for you a good life. Now listen, God prearranged. Doesn't matter what your life is now. God, do you believe in predestination? I believe in this way, that when you're born again, there are the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. God has predestined, prearranged a good life for you. 
Come on, a good life that you would walk in the good life. That, so, well, my life's not good. Then are you walking in the prearranged, predestined life that God has for you? It begins at salvation. And then I, it's added to by getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Then it's added to by being in the Word of God. It's added to by being discipled. It's added to by finding your place in the body of Christ. But before you, in your mother's womb, before you did anything right, before you did anything wrong, God had a good life planned for you. And it says here, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I had to learn that one. Growing up, I really believed God was always mad. And I'm glad I found out he's always good. Plans to prosper you, not to Plans to give you a hope and a future. Plans to give you hope and a future. Listen to me. In God, your future is bright. In God, everything's going to be all right. In God, he has great plans for you. But you got to get in God. How do you get in God? Well, first and foremost, you got to believe that Jesus is the son of God. That he was raised from the dead. Jesus, born of a virgin, came to this earth. The Bible says he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And then when it was time, the Bible says, Jesus said of himself, no man takes my life, but I willingly lay it down. So Jesus went to Calvary, a cross that was reserved for the vilest criminal. But on that cross, he took all your sin, all your guilt, all your shame. He who knew no sin became sin. He took all your sin. Well, I'm Pastor Mark, I, I, I'm trying to be a moral person. I'm trying to be right. I'm trying to do well. Well, that's just a waste of time because you can't do any of that without Jesus. I don't have time to get into it, but listen to me, somebody. It's a nature problem. What do I mean by that? Not, I'm not talking about birds and bees nature. I'm talking about that man has been born with a fallen nature that has to be changed. You got to get a new one. That's why the, the Corinthians says this. He said uh, about us who are born again. He's like, it says the old man has passed away and behold, all things have become new. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, a new creation. The only way to get there is to be born again. I'm talking to somebody in the room today. The only way to get there is to be born again. You can follow all the rules and regulations you want while everybody's watching. But if your heart's not right, you're not going to make it in life. You've got to surrender to him. And he's good. Oh, he's better than you've heard. He's good. The Lord is good. And he has a future for you. Or maybe you were born again when you were young or maybe born again and you've been living in and practicing sin. Well, you know what? There's hope for you too. First John talks about that if we'll confess our faults, our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. The same blood that got you born again will cleanse you from all unrighteousness and all that will pass away. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.